This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Bing bong, whatever. Bing bing bong, better. Bing a bong, whatever. Bing bing bong. Enough of your nonsense. <laughs> Podcasting is the most serious of art yeah. forms. I don't like the way you make a mockery of it. This is my. <laughs> I'm not mockerying. What are you doing? You're holding a bottle of diet uh, soft drink. Uh, this is an audio medium. Don't be doing any visual shenanigans. This wasn't for you. This was for me because it's got sediment in the bottom and I'm mixing it up. All right. Okay. Anyway, let's get on with things. Hello, nothing but professionalism. This is Suggestible Podcast, a podcast where we recommend Hello. you things to watch, read, and listen to. My name is Claire Twenty. James Clement is here also. What up, dog? Oh, no, please. What do you mean? Please not. My favorite thing please to say don't. to our son is, what up, dog? It's He's... your boy, dad. <laughs> I he think is it, starting to really take on board your mannerisms. I think he did one of those things where, you know, when you feel it, like, my dad, like, what's dad's for breakfast or whatever? And it's like, my dad always says, and he wrote, what up, dog? Yeah. It's your boy, dad. Yeah, he did. He uh, did. And there's something else that was funny in that list. There was something about, like, what does your dad always have in his pockets? Headphones. Headphones, that is true. Correct, it's, exactly. It's not funny, it's accurate, Claire. Yeah, I know. But there was something else. Anyway, let's move along. No one likes to hear about Show anyone else's Raycon children. Edf- headphones because they're no longer a sponsor. <laughs> no, correct. Yeah. Of your choosing. That's true, yeah. I just want to point that, that out. That wasn't like, it was, a hassle. <laughs> I know. Hassle you were like, Raycon, it's not you, it's me. It's me, it's yeah, not you. Yeah, that's pretty much what I said. Now I'm like... <laughs> What about if we increased it? And I said, "What about if we increased it by like a lot?" And they were like, hmm, "No." And I'm like, "Well, they were, I'm not doing it." Yeah. Don't oh get well. Me wrong. They're fine. They're yeah, good headphones. They are. But anyway. Uh, anyway. Anyway, it was mainly that I just have to keep yelling at you. Have yeah. you done it? Have you done uh, this, Scott? Driving us all crazy. Anyway, hello. We're married. If you haven't guessed, and we are very excited to be reviewing things. James. Yeah. Before we begin, how are you? I'm fine. Let's How's your start. hair situation? It's shorter. I know. I really uh, video like went it. out this week when my hair was longer in the video. People see what I, I, I maybe maybe I drank an old Pepsi, and I don't want to spoil that video. It's on the Phantom Menace marketing campaign. Right, I can't a lot of comments you did that. on my hair, Ugh. Claire. A lot of positive the rust word of mouth. I'm waiting for you to suddenly grow like a weird gross out nah, of your No, man, head. I'm not going to die. Do you know why? Why? So I'm going to die in a much stupider way. All right. Well, we're all going to I mean, die. Drinking an old James. can of Pepsi is pretty stupid, but I think I can do something <laughs> even stupider. Uh, yeah, like you, to be fair, respect Steve Irwin, incredible person. He definitely died how he lived. Yep. With a stingray straight to the heart. I reckon I'm going to like be walking across a bridge and I'll fart and I'll fall off. <laughs> like it'll propel me slightly and I'll fall. Yep, I could see and that. And then I'll have to tell people that I just fell, but you'll always know. Yeah, of I course. Did a, that I did a big fart. Your farts always sound a little bit like someone stepped on a duck as well. And they're ah! quite cheerful, like, like trumpety. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> Our son is also doing this thing at the moment. I don't know what to do about it. He's farting and then like using his hands pr- to propel the stench towards me. 
And he's doing it with this, like, funny little face. (laughs) And I just don't know if he's going to go to someone else's house and slash his teacher. do a bunch of that shit. And he's going to fart and, like, propel us at my teacher, at his teacher. Or at a friend's house. I always say to him, like, it's fine to do it here. Yeah, but don't be, be farting at other people's houses at the dinner table put and on blowing normal, it in their face. Put on normal person <laughs> manners when you go somewhere else, which is what I do, to be uh, fair. Yeah, that is true. All right. Shall we get started? Would, would None of this like dilly-dally. Me to kick off this week? Yes, kick it off. Sure. Kick well, it I've off. got two time-travelling shows this week to recommend, Goodness. Claire. That is one of your other loves, isn't it? I do love a good time-travel tale. Do you tale. secretly want to time-travel? No, travel? Claire, I've talked about this. I don't want the responsibility or the ramifications <laughs> of a time-travel. Even if you time-travelled even slightly, even if you just popped into whatever era, all it would take was to, like, some kind of knock-on effect where there would be a different sperm and then everything's out. You throw one person out by mean, a different sperm. Are you sperm. saying like because a different sperm as in like you would have sex with someone and no, would be different I'm saying sperm. you could shove somebody and it oh, would probably God. mean that if they would have a child, they would have a different sperm or they would knock somebody else who would then have this. So, so, they would, because the, so the, what you're assuming is this biologically accurate that you've got sperm inside you that's just like rattling around yeah, so and if I someone say, pushes you slightly, the sperm. I thought it was. It's the, highly unlikely that Marty McFly went back in time, right, and still managed to be born, seeing as he fully interacted with his parents, <laughs> interrupted all sorts of erections and rejections, Claire. And as a result of that, he was still born. The chant, not stillborn, he was still managed to be born. Yes. Impossible, yes, yes. Claire. <laughs> it's an impossible situation. Did you just phrase ejections and direct and erections? You heard me. Ejections and Unless, of course. Rejections and erections. There we go. I've got it. Third time lucky. Unless, of course, and we don't know this concerning time travel, unless everything has a predetermined path, <laughs> in which case that time travel was always supposed to happen. Hmm. I, I see. But the idea of Back to the Future is that mm. you're changing the past. But then again, maybe there are predetermined points of history and people that are supposed to be born. Anyways. Oh, goodness. I just about... don't think you understand sperm. Because I think it's not what the position of the sperm is. It's the quality of the sperm. Yes, I know. But you'd have to get to, Which, to have. So, and being rattled around. But a bit, each of us. Affect that. Every single person, even through IVF or whatever. Won some kind of sperm race. This is what I'm saying. But I'm but saying not... that could easily be interrupted. The sperm that wins, maybe it was just the best one on the day. Maybe yes. it just happened to be swimming in a certain direction when no. things happen. No, it's the speed. It's the quality. It's the quality yeah, of but each one gets sperm. through. And if you I'm put through a you. different sperm, you'd get a different yeah, child. But, yeah, I know. But what you're saying. Okay, the premise of your – I can't believe we're talking about this. But the premise of your whole thing was that someone got pushed by someone who had time travelled. Yep. And because they were pushed slightly, the sperm in their balls yep. rattled around yep. and therefore a different sperm wins the race Yes. for the egg. Yes. At a certain point after they've yes. been pushed, they then because go and every have single, a shag. There's a knock-on effect for that. Yes, but what I'm saying to you is I don't think a push – can change the sperm that wins. You thought I would fart myself <laughs> off a bridge. So I don't think you know the and power I'm, look, of a I'm push. I'm no expert. I'm no doctor. But I will say I'm an expert. I don't – I think it's about the quality of the sperm. Like, and that, and that is a bit like saying like there's a group of runners. If you push someone over slightly and then they start their race, they're all still going to run and the f- person that wins is going to just be the fastest. It says here that in each milliliter of sperm, there is approximately 100 million of them in there, right? 
So, what? So you're telling me that cannot be right. That's, <laughs> that does not sound that's right. so much. A hundred million sperms. Yeah. What? Mm. A hundred, that can't be right in one ejaculation. A fertile male human ejaculates between two and five milliliters of semen on average or on average a teaspoon. In each milliliter, there is normally about a hundred million sperm. If the concentration what? falls below 20 million sperm per milliliter, there, so what do you, so you have to win, you have to win a race. Sperm. You have to beat 100 million other sperm. <laughs> Impossible, Claire. Each of us shouldn't be here. Doesn't make any sense. That's insane. I know. That's but even insane. if it was even if it was 10,000, even if it was 100, <laughs> it would still be incredibly difficult. I know. So what you're saying is that that 100 million that the push will affect it. I don't think so. Yeah. I just think it'll be like who's the fastest sperm in there. Exactly. Who's the fastest? But it all depends on also starting position. But they position. all got pushed at the same time. No, no, but it's also st- starting. They're not, they're not frozen exactly in the same spot. They're swimming around in there. I thought they were in a little starting line. No, they're ducking and diving, <laughs> Claire. And there's no trial. They're not lined up in order of speed. Every now and then a bad sperm gets through as well. You see a guy and you're like, this guy sucks. It could be a bad sperm situation. It's a Stephen Bradbury of, Bradbury of sperms, who I love, by the way. But everyone else falls down and that sperm gets there. 100 million. Yeah. The chance of us existing is so minuscule. It's ridiculous. Enjoy your bloody lives, guys. It's a, it's a fucking fluke that you're here at all. Yep. Stop getting miserable. No, you're allowed Fuck to be miserable. Up. Nobody chose to be born. You can be miserable. That's fine. Man, 100 million, 100,000. What is it? 100, 100 million, million spe- And that's only in one shot. Apparently. Jeez. But again, also, even if that's way off, this is what Google says. But even if it's like. Wow. Also, wear those uh, condom things if you're. Oh, wait a minute. You know. It says here, animal, average number of sper- sperm per ejaculate. A man, it says 280, and then a pig, it says 80. So is it is it is it much lower than. What? Is it possible that on this show we're not experts and we're leading people very astray? Yes. I feel like we should, we've ventured far out of our knowledge territory. For the nearly 5,000 sperm that make it to their uh, uterotubal junction. Oh, so it's 5,000. No, 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 for the, the who make it. A 1,000 of them reach the inside of the fallopian tube. From there, 1,000 sperm enter, entering the tube, only 200 actually reach the egg. In the end, one lucky sperm out of 200 penetrates but, the egg. But, 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 but going back. How many initially in the... I think the, it's still that millions of things that I said. 100 million. Yeah. That and is like insane amount. They must be so tiny. Yes. Well, they are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, gosh, you learn something new every day. You certainly do. Anyway, should I continue this thing that I was talking about? Yeah, we should get back to the thing we anyway, were actually discussing. Do you remember the book The Time Traveler's Wife by Audrey Niffenegger? I, I did read that and I also remember the film Yes, with um, Bruce Banner. With Bruce Banner. You're What's thinking his name? of, now you've thrown me off, Eric Banner <laughs> yes. and Rachel McAdams. Correct. I just did a portmanteau. You did. Live. He's one of his famous characters and That's his name. Correct. Uh, so that was actually, that was a 2003 book. It was adapted into a 2009 movie. I've seen bits and pieces of it. It's not great. I've seen the I've read the book. Pretty good. I remember it being quite good. Have you read the book? Uh, yes, I have. I just said to you yes. I had. Okay, great. God, so The what, sperm didn't win in your race. That's certainly true. <laughs> just one. look at me. Look at my brothers and look at me. Anyway, I'm cunning. I'm like you a rat. That's my, that's my skill. <laughs> you were born with webbed feet. Jeez. 
<laughs> Actually, people, I did mention my feet the other day. People were like, what's wrong with these feet? Tell us about your feet. I'll never tell. Anyways, so the second adaptation, This is there's a second adaptation. They're webbed. They're basically <laughs> like the feet in that movie, Luca. <laughs> That's right. And you still are a bad swimmer. I'm a terrible swimmer. It's my short arms, Claire. (laughs) Not built for swimming. I'm built for winning a sperm race. (laughs) Anyways, so this is there's a second. (laughs) She broke it. I broke you. Oh, you broke yourself. I don't know. Anyways. I got my little boots on. I'm getting ready to go. I'm getting better. I'm trying Imagine to... if you're the second sperm that yeah. misses. Like the first one You don't one know, gets though. In. There's no consciousness no, they're all, there. They're all wheeling at the big, the little um, egg, and yeah. then suddenly one goes boop and cracks it. I know. And that's it. That's over. Sometimes God. two. Sometimes Almost more. Two. That is true. But, yeah, generally. Yeah. God, you, you wouldn't. How? You'd be devastated. hundred million. You know, you wouldn't be because you don't exist. You're nothing. I don't know. You're not like a person driving a little <laughs> spacecraft in there. How do you know? Well, that was the thing. I think I'll, we both had this conversation. we got to get on with this. We do. We, bo- uh, we both had this conversation where I think we both had the idea that the sperm is the person and the egg is like the house yeah. when we were kids. <laughs> yes. Anyway, that was recently debunked for us, wasn't it? Correct. Massively. <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. Uh, anyways. So, anyway, so this is the second adaptation of The Time Traveler's Wife. It's a series which has been adapted by Stephen Moffat. Oh. Yes. So it stars Rose Leslie, who you might know as You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, and Theo you James. You Know Nothing, Jon exactly. Snow. Exactly. And Theo James, a guy who you'd recognize. I'll show you Marry me in real life. Okay. I will. I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, for those people who don't know, Henry, uh, as played by Theo James, is an ordinary man with an extraordinary gift, a gene that allows him to time travel uh, involuntarily. Claire, as played by Rose Leslie, his wife finds it difficult to to cope with his ability. So it's this it's this love story over time, over decades, but also out of order. So if he gets stressed or even just kind of excited or even on a whim, he can suddenly disappear and reappear in either in the future or the past, completely naked and just somewhere. He's often drawn to certain events or certain people, but it's kind of it, it is kind of a love story, but it's also kind of this sinister, ominous story because they're kind of, these two people are kind of locked in time together. So he, he goes back multiple times and visits her as a, as a kid, which is weird because he knows that they're going to get married and he's watching this girl grow up. But also different versions of him are coming from different points in time. Sometimes he'll be like early 30s, sometimes he'll be like 50 or whatever, you know. So, oh, so he's visiting out strange. of all, yeah, it's very odd. And look, they handle it and same with the book where like, they don't get together when she's a child, but it is this, you know, it's, it's very, it's kind of, it's very dark and strange in parts. And also it's, so it is this sense of like, because in, in this, in this world, it's all, everything's locked. So there's no, you can't change anything. So he has tragic events in his life or as everybody does that, that cannot, like he can witness them again and again, but he can't interact. If he interacts, it will just really, if anything, it'll make that thing happen also. So it's also it's all, I was surprised by this. I actually looked up the Rotten Tomato reviews before this, and it's getting like absolutely savage. Like it's not getting great reviews, but I, look, I would say it's like it's pretty solid, and it's much better than the movie adaptation of which I've seen a bit of. But yeah, as, as I mentioned, it's kind of it's pretty dark and it's a little bit whimsical, but it's interesting. Whimsical. And I think it also kind of uh, I don't know this kind of the, the the structure of it I find really interesting, and there can also be. Different versions of him exist, can exist at the same time. So he can interact with himself 
from like different eras. Oh. So he can either he can like pass on information to himself or to others around him. He can leave messages and and things like that. So he, he I find that really fascinating. And also he kind of hates himself. So whenever he runs into himself, he's just like, "Fuck, okay, look, okay, so you need to know, okay, so this thing's gonna happen or whatever." And they so he doesn't he doesn't like himself. Like he doesn't like. Running What's into happening? himself, yeah. Wow, it sounds like a mixture of about time, yeah, and also that um, show. Uh, what's it called? Where he like writes stuff on his arm all the time. Memento. Memento. Yeah, sort of sounds like a combo like that, yeah. of that. Memento is who's in it's Guy Pierce and Guy, Carrie Amos. That's right, and Guy Pierce's character kind of wakes up every day with a clean memory. No, he has a fifteen-minute memory, so oh. he has no. Every all, all his long term memories before his accident are intact, but yeah. everything since that point, it's literally like every fifteen minutes he resets, which is why he's tattooed himself with so much information yeah, to find his the, the, his wife's killer. Yeah, and all that. that's right. So that's like very movie, that dark. One. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Mm. I actually think this sounds really cool. Yeah, I think you might like it. Uh, it's look, and it's only been three, uh, and it's on binge in Australia which is horrible. It's also on HBO Max. It's a HBO Max uh, show. Okay. So I think people will, depending how it goes, I think people will warm to it over time because I've seen people kind of respond positively to certain aspects of it yeah. on Twitter as well. And, yeah, I just think, look, it's not, you know, you're not you're not like, oh, my God, this is this blowing my mind or whatever. It's yeah. just like this is pretty good. Here's a question. I know put aside the sperm thing of like pushing people over and I don't know, whatever the thing that you went into before about worrying about stuff. If you could just, if you had to, if you, I don't know, suddenly went back in time, yeah. what would you tell yourself when you're, say you went back in time when you were 18, oh like God. you ran into your 18-year-old self, I mean, what the, would you say? I don't know. I think Cool the, head, dude. Cool Enjoy head. it while it lasts. What are you saying? <laughs> I've still got very rich and dark hair, Claire, as you you're well aware. It's wonderful. But, uh, <laughs> I love your hair. No, I do. I'm sorry. No, but um, I don't know. I think uh, I'd like to maybe sit down and maybe have a drink and just maybe have, if you, if you could say anything and not affect anything. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think having I mean. like an actual conversation would be, would be really interesting about things that you care about and, you know, and, and things that might be, if you could just say anything and it didn't matter. Yeah, just say And it, it wouldn't change the future yeah, or then, anything. Yeah, just, just. Go go ham. Just say just say whatever. <laughs> Do some shots. What about you? Yeah, um, I agree. I think sitting down and having a conversation, it might be quite mortifying in some ways, but sure. fascinating. Do you I, think you'd be happy with meeting yourself? Ah, uh, God, it would depend on the self that I met. I think there's parts of my early twenties where I would be, in, and and my teenage years where I would be incredibly mortified (laughs) to meet myself. But then again, do you know what? Over time, and maybe it's turning 36, I don't know, something's really happened in my mind that shifted my opinion of myself as a teenager. I think there was a time in my 20s where I looked at my teenage years as something that I'd overcome and now I'm this like person that's kind of blossomed into herself and how embarrassing, what a gawky, awkward, you know, teenager, ugh. But now I think to myself, I would love to go back and meet that teenager because I actually don't really know anymore what she really was like. Yeah. Because at that time you're so coloured by yourself compared to everyone else and your awkwardness. And I look at teenagers now and just think, oh, sweethearts, you're trying. You know, and some of them are like incredibly articulate and put together and a lot are still kind of like looking like baby horses. You know, their limbs are all a bit long and they're all trying to discover who they are and experiment with different selves. And I don't know, I would just like to go back in time and maybe give that teenage girl a big hug and just say you're wonderful and 
you know, it's going to be okay and, you know, don't you try not to sweat Would you believe stuff. yourself? Oh, no. God, no. <laughs> no way. But, yeah, there's a lot of love I have for that girl now. I yeah. mean, I might be mortified, but I think I would just be more kind of like good on you for being the oddball that you are, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think and all that stuff is really important to go through weird and, and awkward stuff. And as mentioned, we've said this before, like you don't want to peak in high school. No, and My it's goodness. all part of it, right? At the end of the day, you just And even like trying. the coolest person that you know in high school, that person's a big fucking loser now. No matter who they are, everyone's <laughs> no. a big loser. Every adult, oh, we're all losers, Claire. No. We're all do big you know, nerds. That, no, that's not what it is. Do you know what it is at the end of the day? Everyone's doing their own thing. Yep. And I think there's some idea that as teenagers it's a big race and, yeah. you know, there's this popularity contest. Whereas as an adult the best thing about it is that you can get to choose yeah, yeah, who you hang with. out with. Yeah. I mean maybe not, what, does being, you know, what does being the coolest person in your school mean of like, you know, however many people, 300 people, 600 yeah. people? Gives a shit. No. <laughs> God. Anyway, no. I was the coolest person at my school. So, yeah. Comple- that's, what? Yeah. No. No, I was. Anybody <laughs> no who one remembers. Anybody who, anybody who knows no. me then would attest to that. Don't ask, but they know. All right, what's your next recommendation? All right, okay, we're running like a very long time. Anyway, I have two recommendations. Go. One I'll talk about first. It's called Useless Magic by oh. Florence Welch. So you know how I raved about Florence the Machine That's a couple all you've of episodes been doing ago? To me. I know. You've been showing well, me. You're like, love her look, album at this, dance look at this video from Florence and the Machine. <laughs> oh, she's so witchy and she's this video she's so is set Bill inside Mahi a haunted house. He plays her anxiety and I just love I've listened to yeah. that, that song free just like I can't even tell you how many times. Oh, she's sitting in a beanbag All right. Piano. Okay. Pumped. And there's a withered Can tree behind her. Can I do my her. recommendation? It's 20 minutes in. <laughs> Good God. This, oh God, I wish a different sperm won the race. No, I don't. I love you just as you are. What anyway, the hell, let's man? move along. Useless Magic. It is a book that I ordered from Booktopia and it's written by Florence and it's a collection really of, it's kind of like her artist notebook in a way really. So it's it goes really deep into a lot of her poetry that dis- doesn't make it into her songs okay. as well as like the lyrics of her, you know, famous albums like Lungs it starts with. But it's also got Polaroids and photos and drawings. She's Look a draw- she draw- oh, so Can I just get through a recommendation? So it has her artwork as well and scribbled notes and I'm so fascinated by where songs come from and yes. and books as well. Like I love the fact that Roald Dahl carried a notebook everywhere and Charlie in the Chocolate Factory started he had to pull over on the side of the road while he was driving yeah. and just wrote something like a boy that grows up in a chocolate factory. Yeah. And that became this incredibly worldwide, you know, famous, well-known story, Mm. but it started with him driving, having this spark of an idea. And so this is what this book is. It's just like scraps of her thoughts and feelings and drawings and tattoos that she's got and Polaroids and um, she's really into vintage dresses. It's kind of a mixture of a lot of things. And it just, I know this is going to sound really, I don't know, naff, I don't care, whatever. Her brain works the way my brain does. And I'm not saying that I'm Florence Welch on any like level. It sounds the But same. I just mean that there is something really comforting and I find this with a lot of different people who are creatives. There's something comforting about seeing the creative process like that and realising that it's not a straight line, that like people mix and match a whole lot of things and experiment with things yep. and fail at things and bring in imagery and try different styles and you know, make mistakes and it's because it's like a very imperfect book in that it's not, you know, like a this is how I wrote my songs and very formal and it jumps all over the place. 
Anyway, I just find it like a very comforting book to have around, which I know sounds strange, but it, yeah. The, and no, that's, I think, that's, and, I think yeah. that's cool. And I guess that's what people see in her music in Florence and the Machine, right? They kind of, there's songs in that catalogue of music that change people's lives, I think. And, yes. and so much of it is about music, but also about liberation from yourself and your demons. And she's just got this really incredible knack of, you know, writing songs that are incredibly personal to her, but ultimately universal. Mm. Anyway, I'll stop raving about her, but um, yeah, the book's called Useless Magic. Terrific. That sounds good. I won't listen or read any of that. No, you I will not. I, 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 once, I want to say one more thing about it. The title Useless Magic comes from because she felt like her songwriting was kind of like this magical thing that she could do that would sometimes almost predict things that would happen. So she'd write uh-huh. a song and then later on something would happen that had kind of already she'd sung about in the song or it would help her or other people in a situation later on. Yeah. And she said it's kind of a useless magic because it doesn't change anything. It just is kind of interesting and maybe it's that she's picking up themes or concepts that are kind of in the ether. So she knew Bill Nighy would follow her around. <laughs> That's right. No, well, for instance, her video clip for free is set in the Ukraine before oh, the invasion yeah. of no, Russia. I didn't know that, yeah. So, and it's written in this beautiful way and then dedicated to the artists of Ukraine. And, mm. you know, that's like that must have or had to have been created before they invaded. So it's kind of, you know, anyway. Right. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, what's your second one? Well, my second thing is actually, uh, again, it's time travel related. It's called The Shining Girls. It's based on the novel by Lauren Bukes. It stars Elizabeth Moss, Wagner Mora, and Jamie Bell. So newspaper archivist Kirby Mazraki's dream, that's Elizabeth Moss' character, of becoming a journalist put on hold after she survives a brutal attack that leaves her in a constantly shifting reality. So what this show is about, Claire, you're going to believe that. You're not going to believe this. You're going to get ready for this. It's about a time-traveling serial killer, Okay. So this year will kill her as played by Jamie Bell over a period, over a span of like 80. That's actually very terrifying. I find that very chilling. Mm, it's a very chilling show. It's, you're, you're very perceptive. Uh, so <laughs> he, as played by Jamie Bell, who people might know as Billy Elliot, they might know him from the movie Jumper. He's the mate of Jumper in the movie Jumper. Yes, yes. They might know him from Fantastic Four 2015 uh-huh. where he played Benjamin Grimm's The Thing. But the thing is he, because he can be anywhere at any time, over like an 80-year period, and then he could kill anywhere at any time. All the evidence about what he's doing and how these people are connected, the, it's scattered over decades. So he might kill somebody in, say, the 80s, but the evidence for that is, is left in the 50s or vice versa. Oh, Does that make sense? So interesting. So like you're trying to put together this puzzle, but logically it doesn't make sense and you can't explain it to anybody because it sounds insane, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's a time-travelling man who never ages. Just, just, oh, just kind of gosh. wreaking havoc 
over this city. That's awful. Yeah. I don't want that to happen in real life. I don't want it either. I think we should actually put a change.org petition together to make sure this doesn't happen, (laughs) to let our voices be heard. So Elizabeth Moss's character, because she's the only uh, one of these shining girls to survive the attack, which she is initially unaware of, for some reason she, she is linked to him. So whenever he... Whenever he does anything like significant in his, like throughout his life, it then slightly alters her reality. And it might be like a haircut. It might be like her, she's at a different desk at work. It might be her relationship with somebody which she didn't have. Suddenly that person has always been in her life, but she doesn't have any memories of that. She just only sees the changes, whereas everybody else kind of lives their life as if nothing had happened. Does that make sense? Yes. So yes, there's a yeah. moment where she's living with her mother. That's how it opens. But it hasn't always been that way. And she explains that like, and this isn't a spoiler at all, that they hadn't had a relationship for years and then all of a sudden one day she gets home and she's just there, like she's always been there. And she has all these, her mother has all these memories of them together and living together, but she doesn't have any of those oh, reference so points. Spooky. So it's also kind of like, am I insane? Which is what she's initially thinking because she yeah. doesn't know what's, happening but the one constant thing is that the thing that happened to her is true and people are aware or whoever she tells people are aware of that uh and mm-hmm. she's just basically trying to with help of others find this guy somehow and determine like how he's how he's managing to do this now there's, there's one episode left uh at the time of recording this but uh so far i'm really enjoying it i'm hoping they wrap it up at the end of this season i, I don't really feel like this should be a thing that that goes on but i love the setting and like it's it's set, I think, in the in like in the eighties or maybe early nineties, like the main portion of it. But it kind of it jumps all uh, all over the place. Um, it's on Apple Plus for those people. All right, to, and you actually started to watch it, then you're like, oh, I don't want to watch this. I don't know if you remember. What was it called? It's again? called The Shining Girls. But I think we started to watch it, and then you're like, oh, No, no, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I couldn't handle it in the moment. I might be better now. I was going through. I had yeah. the flu and gastro and all kinds of things, and I just was not in a good headspace. I couldn't watch something so. Now that you've won the sperm race, you know definitively that you're feeling <laughs> no, James, good, you're a winner. You win the sperm race went at conception. You can't win it as a grown human. You still won it. I'm still riding off the glory of winning my sperm race. <laughs> yeah, it was the only thing you I'm like the guy right. who scored a big touchdown <laughs> in high school and I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm the best. Remember that? That is such a patriarchal thing actually to think that the sperm is the person and the egg is the house. <laughs> no. That is it's such ridiculous. bullshit because that is basically saying that the sperm is is responsible for the brain. Yeah. The sperm's the person so fucked up. and the woman is the it's house. It's making me more and more angry. I've been listening to you but also a part of my brain <laughs> has just been getting more and more angry about that concept. You thought it though. Oh, yeah, I know, but you know. But who put it in your head? Exactly. A man. Exactly. A man did it. Yeah, because, yes, I was going to make a joke then about the man being the brain. The No, I'm not even going to make funnies about Ooh, it. Oh, yeah, let's not joke. That's not joke. It's, a it's not a joke. Show, as it's we a serious show. All right, okay, I am so excited about my second recommendation. Oh, I thought that was the end of the show. I'm oh, ready to leave. Not. No, I'm no, ready no, to no. leave. No, no, no. Have you got a time travel thing? No. Ah, this is a weird book about a crooked tree Actually, or something. No. <laughs> so Annoying. <laughs> Just because you don't like certain things. Actually, it's interesting. It kind of is about time travel because it's an old episode of a podcast that was re-released and it was recorded in like 2015 or something. It's a bit of a stretch, Claire, to say that that is time travel. <laughs> well, you're listening to someone who's dead. The person so, in the podcast is dead now. 
Anyway, I want to talk about it. It's so wonderful. There's a podcast called On Being with Krista Tippett. And if you're a podcast aficionado, you probably already know about Krista Tippett. She was born in 1960 and is an American journalist, author, and entrepreneur. She created and hosts the public radio program and podcast On Being, as I said. And in 2014, Tippett was awarded the National Humanities Medal by a US president, Barack Obama. I'm familiar with yeah, him. Yeah, for all of her work. So she was a political assistant to the senior United States diplomat in West Berlin, John C. Cord Bloom. And the next year she became chief aide in Berlin to the US ambassador to West Germany, Richard Burt. She has written that moral questions arising from that experience of seeing high power up close, this is in 1986, um, eventually led to the spiritual, philosophical and theological curiosities that have defined her work since. She's read some really sort of pivotal books called Speaking of Faith, Why Religion Matters and How to Talk About It, Einstein's God, Conversations About Science and the Human Spirit, and Becoming Wise and Inquiry into the Mystery and Art of Living. So she's just, Mm. you know, an incredibly amazing person and really obviously articulate and wonderful and deep thinking. And she has released an episode with the wonderful poet, one of my faves, Mary Oliver. She wrote things like wild geese, you know, that phrase, my one wild and precious life. Yes, yes, yes. All of those things. And Mary Oliver has since passed away. Mm. And I listened to this episode and it was so fascinating. Just A, to hear her voice because I've read so much of her poetry and to actually hear her speaking was so interesting and she's led a really difficult life. So uh, I won't spoil the whole podcast but uh, Mary Oliver grew up and she doesn't go into specifics but in a really traumatic childhood. So home was somewhere that was awful and not safe. And so she spent a huge amount of time outside alone really as a child and that was her kind of refuge. So as an adult she found being in enclosed spaces incredibly difficult. Right. Yeah. So that's why she lived basically in poverty in a small town uh, and wrote poetry um, first alone and then with her partner and she wandered the woods around her town and wrote poems basically for 50 years and Listening to her depth of understanding and spirituality and connection to things and because of the history of what she went through as a child, you can see why her poetry resonates all over the world and what a deeply wise person she is and was. And, yeah, it's so interesting. Like her, she's just listening to someone who's written poetry their entire life and lectured in poetry, even some of her most famous poetry, one of them was an exercise that she did with her students in a lecture that turned out to be one of her most famous ones. Oh, right. Yeah, so it's it's such an interesting conversation and Krista Tippett does an incredible job interviewing her. It's just so moving and beautiful and a masterclass in how to interview someone like that. So and that's what you, I think, as somebody who is an excellent interviewer, me. Thank you. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> you. I'm well, sure I'm it's trying. I'm really, learning. It's something you can uh, you can appreciate. Yeah, I'm uh, really learning, and 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 I love listening to interviews for that reason because. It's something, it's an art form and I'm still learning how to do it, but it's one of the things that I love the most. And I'd realised just as a side that most of my life where you were watching Star Wars, I was watching Parkinson <laughs> and, and, you know, what was, else did I watch? I Enough Rope with Andrew, oh, yeah, Andrew Denton, yeah. you know, 
all of those, and I still do it now. A lot of my algorithms are geared towards like Graham Norton and interview yeah. shows. So it's quite interesting. Graham really. Norton's like, ooh, didn't something strange happen to you on the set of something? <laughs> and they're like, well, actually it did. And he's like, ooh. Ooh, ooh yeah, correct, exactly. So, mm. you know, I am Oprah. I spent a lot of years watching Oprah interview after yeah. interview after interview. Um, are you a big Dr. Oz fan? Yeah, oh, my God, so Are you still a big Dr. Oz? No, not at all. <laughs> Jesus. And also I was a really big Dr. Phil fan. Terrible. Fuck him. No good. No good that at all. That pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Yeah. He does more harm than good. He's a he's a terrible I know, person. but I've watched so much of his stuff as well. And I, anyway, I just spend a lot of my life watching interviews. So I really love a good interview and I really respect a good interview, um, especially when it's in a conversation. I just like often for my job, sometimes I will go back to listen to other podcasts of the people I'm interviewing and I just cannot listen to interviews that are so prescriptive Yeah, and I know where the person mean, yeah. is just like, I've got my set questions yes. and it doesn't really matter what the other person says. I'm going to read these questions. Yeah. And I respect that like in an interview setting, like for instance at 7.30, Lee Sales is an Australian journalist here and she's only got, got three like minutes, minutes and yeah. she is an incredible interviewer and she has her questions to ask but that's because she has three minutes sometimes with a political leader or a really important person. But But in a podcast format, like I listened to one the other day that was so – it was like she didn't want to be there or something. Yeah, that, those are so hard to list. I think there are examples of that done really well. Have you ever seen Hot Ones? No. Where it's eating hot wings and asking hot questions. Oh, yes, so they're yes. eating really spicy wings and then yeah, they've got – That's clever. For every wing there's a question. And I, I, I also – one of the things I don't like about it is that like they don't run with a thing because it's got that format where they'll move on. Yeah. But the questions are so good and it's kind of designed in that short, sharp, sharp like format. segment. Yeah. Uh, so the because the re, and he's a good interview as well, but the research is so thorough that it is interesting. So you you might actually enjoy that. Um, I think I would. Do you know what the other one I do enjoy? And um, Vogue has a video series which are done in a single shot with um like you know Nicole Kidman and Sarah Jessica Parker like just basically just all of them together incredibly famous just talking women over each other. and people not just women. No, they're called seventy three questions, and they have literally seventy three questions, and they will go. It's usually at someone's home. Mm. And they'll, you know, for instance, Sarah Jessica Parker's one is in her brownstone in New York City and they she opens the door and it's obviously scripted and she's scripted as well. So, but it's done in such a way that it's so beautiful and engaging and she, it's co- almost choreographed because it's done in one shot. Yeah. They go through her apartment. When, so they go through the whole, yeah, I've seen yeah. those. A few different people do stuff like that. There's like a, I don't think it's one shot, but there's like a gym and workout one. But they'll oh. be like, hey, Arnold Schwarzenegger, what's just oh, your God, we have such different algorithms. <laughs> no, I get those ones as well, like go through the house and be like, this is my ceramic whatever, whatever, you know. No, but they're, I just, they're, they're so good. They're not, this is my ceramic whatever. It's like, <laughs> what's your favourite colour? What's your wow. favourite record? Why do you love living in New York? What is do they the best dub, thing? Do they dub over memory? the voice of the questions? Because some interviews do that and they redub the questions in like, a, in like the same voice. And they're really like it's really annoying. They feel like really. Fake oh no and no on. no! This doesn't feel like that. Mm. I don't. I don't think so. Anyway, like the person, they're usually with actors, so that because those people yeah. are obviously really skilled. Anyway, they're beautiful, and I love them. So they're sort of interviews, but not, but not really. Anyway, okay. yes, the the art of the interview, amazing. Art of the interview. All right, that's it. So Do that one question. Wait, uh, one thing I was just going to just drum home that was on being with Mary Oliver. On being. 
uh, can, I, can I also drum home to you uh, whether people can actually write a letter to this show, specifically Definitely. an email, and yes, while yes, you're yes, bringing yes. that up or I've you already it. have. Wow. Well, it's, where, what's the email address? Oh, suggestpod at gmail.com. Terrific. And you can write in just like Jess D has. Hello. Emailing Hello. in with a very strong recommendation oh. on Heartstopper. A show on Netflix based Uh, on Alice Osman's graphic novels of the same name. Now, you already talked about this. I was all over it. You were. It's a British coming-of-age show. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I watched it recently after you watched it and I sobbed my little heart out. Just cried and cried and cried. It was so gorgeous. It's about two young guys from different groups at school that become close after being sat next to each other in homeroom. It follows them as their relationships with friends, family and themselves and each other change and grow and is generally just a very nourishing time. It doesn't shy away from hard topics but doesn't dwell on them either. It's flawlessly cast. I totally agree. Has a good soundtrack Mm. and is full of queer joy. Hope you have a fabulous week, Jess. Thank you, Jess. Uh, Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was terrific. (sighs) Terrific. It's also they are doing more seasons. Uh, which I'm kind of like, oh, I don't know, because I loved it so much. But Uh, look, sure, I'll see more of this. This is tricky though, isn't it? Because when they've resolved the like arc of the love story, sometimes it doesn't work after that. Yeah. You know, they've, you know. I hope it doesn't get into like petty misunderstandings. I know, That's one thing the first season didn't do like at all. They just liked each other and there was like misunderstandings, but it was never like, you said this and whatever. It wasn't, it didn't No, it was more like, what for, and I, look, I'm not queer, so I, can't speak for that experience, but it did make me think about what it must be like as a teenager to be questioning that your sexuality mm. in that way and then being liking someone and that person not being sure yet whether they are queer and and that kind of whole back and forth. And I think they did a beautiful job of, sh- of showing that in a really compassionate way, yeah. that he wasn't trying to be a jerk. He was just unsure of himself in that situation and trying to figure it out um, without and trying really hard not to hurt the other person yeah, exactly. and kind of yeah. doing it anyway unintentionally and then apologising for it. Yeah, they were just both really lovely cast characters. and uh, I agree. Gorgeous. Loved it. Loved Did it. Did you love it stopper. nearly as much as uh, the TV show Obi-Wan? <laughs> do you want my reaction? Um, we could do this another week. Why don't we do one more episode of Obi-Wan? All right. Well, you we'll you will want me to give it one more go. Okay. One more episode and then because we'll you loved then I'll it talk so much. about it. I'm not going to uh, say whether I loved or hated it. Do you know what I love? People who leave reviews for the me? show. You love me? Yeah, yeah. But even oh, good, more good. so, if people who leave Thank reviews goodness. for the show, like Hayley Kay has done. Five stars. And she's just done it in-app. It's so um, easy. So I don't. Why did you say it? Hayley like Hayley, that? Hayley, did I? Hayley, you just kind of like. It's H-A-L-L-I-E. Is that Hayley or is that Hallie? Hallie. How do you, what, Hallie? H-A-L-L-I-E. H-A-L-L-I-E. I think it's Hall- Hallie. Like Hallie. Hallie. Like Halle Berry. Like Hallicopter. If we've said it wrong, Hallie, I'm so sorry. Like go straight to Hallie. All right, Wood. mate. Just get to on with the, get on with the review. Okay. Uh, Hallie says, you inspire us. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. That's me saying wow. I've been meaning <laughs> to write this review for a long time. My husband and I have been listening to both of your podcasts for years. Just make the thing originally inspired us to create our own podcast, Quiz and Hers. Oh, cool. Over three years ago. Excuse the same shameless plug. Speaking of shameless plugs, uh, that podcast, you can actually find it on multiple platforms, but the trivia podcast where we test each other's knowledge and strength of our relationship. Oh, 
cool. Not to be fair, I haven't listened to it. Maybe it's just them fighting the entire time. <laughs> well, you that know. That sounds delightful. That would be an accurate representation Chris of an inspired podcast from this show. It's true. After starting our uh, our own husband-wife podcast, I was excited to hear that James and Claire would be starting their own. Uh, in many ways, they set the trend. Though, Actually, think. correct. Yeah. You're right. I take that back. Love listening to the banter, which reminds me of us, and also love the suggestibles. Thanks for inspiring other podcasters and other couples in general. Wow. It is true that we are an inspiration, <laughs> even though you did this before us. Well, you know, we are. We are. We are inspirations. Transsetters. Transsetters. Exactly. We're the winning sperms. Often people yes, we are. <laughs> we need everybody to know that. Also, the egg wins the race too. That's true, but the egg is less likely to change, isn't it? Because there's well, less eggs. I, okay, we are real. I'm not going to get this accurate, but from my understanding, a f- couple of eggs, like one egg gets released from the. But is there an order to the eggs? The follicles. Like, what's the order? Are they lined up like a pinball machine? Because <laughs> I don't think it is. Right? No, no, no. They're scrambled in there. Yeah, they are correct. Mm. Yeah, and then one gets released. Yeah. Sometimes two, but usually one kind of moves down the tube. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think if you shove somebody, that would definitely make a difference too. <laughs> wow. They'd like jostle. It's something. Is that what you're saying that you feel shy? But I feel like they're suspended in liquid. Yeah, they are, which is they're more jostling, no, but, if anything. No, but like, they're not sitting dry on a rack. Yeah, but the way that you move around, in the, like if you're, I just don't know. I don't think, I don't know whether being pushed would move the order around. 100% more. it would. All right, I'm not sure. Mm. But does that mean while you're walking around your organs move if you get pushed over? I feel like that's not true. Organs? No, your organs are like locked into your body. They're all like. Actually, I did learn recently that your uterus and, or not yours, you don't have one. Sucks to be you. I've got a uterus. Wait, whoa, 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 (laughs) whoa. What about other people who don't have uteruses also, Claire? That was very insulting, specifically to me, but also others. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway. My uterus, apparently, not just mine, but all uteruses, are very soft Uteri. and malleable. Like, mm. so, like all of those lady like parts. A like, egg. And your fallopian tubes as well can move around. So they're not kind of stationary and locked in place. Yeah, but they're not, they not going to end up by your neck, though, is it? No, but you're also like your vaginal canal and all that stuff moves. Yeah. Like the angle of it can move and change. Like it shifts which, about. Yeah, so it's okay. not like a like a like solid a, pipe, like a hose, like yeah. a hose just that, that's let loose, and it's just like oh, one of those wavy arm guys. Yeah, I guess mm. so. Anyway, I just found that really interesting. Didn't know that. There you go. I wouldn't know anything about that. I've never seen one. I don't want to know anything about it. Gross. <laughs> I nearly called you Mason. Then Mason, <laughs> let's wrap up the show. That's an awkward time to call me Mason. Mm-hmm. Good lord, he doesn't have a womb either. Um, all right. That's it. Is that the end of the show? Thank you as always to Royal Collings for editing this week's episode. You've done it again. Thank you to Maisie for creating our socials at Suggestible Pod. And also, yes, that's it. And Tonspod as well. She also does the socials for Tonspod, which is excellent. Oh, and just as a aside, I have a really cool episode of Tons out this week with potentially the person that I've met who is the most like me in the world. (laughs) Me? (laughs) No. No, I mean, obviously we're very different people, but we've also got a lot of similarities. So I interview a very old friend of your brother's, actually. That's true, first, the brother that, that we met. Uh, actually Mason does Correct, like. exactly, called Pip Reed. Mm-hmm. And she is a, a music therapist and works with very special kids and kinder programs and is now running her own business and is just this, like, massive joy bomb of a human being and it's a really special episode. She works particularly with families. In the past she's worked with kids um, at the end of their life, so in palliative care and in cancer yeah. wards, which sounds like it would be very depressing. But sh- the way she talks about it is so 
I know that we've just used the word inspiring, but I think it really is. And I just think it's possibly up there with one of my favorite episodes. Pip's amazing. She I've really is, that. right? Yeah. She's so I knew Pip amazing. back when I was in school. Like, I, I think we, yeah, no, we knew each other. Yeah. We've wow. known each other since I was like we were kids. Yeah. Like yeah. little kids. Are they? Yeah, that's so cool. But I would say that you're probably better friends with her than I am. Oh, look, we haven't seen each other in like <laughs> 10 years or something. <laughs> But we just follow each other online and, yeah, it was. it's just – I just – she's so lovely. I mean, it's a very, very happy, laughy, excited, enthusiastic episode. Terrific. <laughs> but I. But it's just a joy. So, anyway, so that comes out on Friday. If anyone would like to listen, that's Tom's pod. I think people will. I think cool. people will. All right. Exactly. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.